Thank you, praise team. So glad to know that it's well. Wow. We can know that we know that we know that we know. Several have asked, and I'm glad to report that uh, I've done having to see all the specialists about my eye. Um, the damage that was done was done, and it's over with. The optic nerve that was uh, swollen has uh, gone back to normal size. Uh, the blind spot, if you draw a line this way and this way, in this corner of my eye, there was a blind spot. And it's fading, so uh, thank the Lord for his touch and uh, give him the glory. How many of you can remember what you wanted to be when you were eight years old? Anybody? Yeah, those who are eight. <laughs> uh, you know what I wanted to be? A dentist. <laughs> I had a bad experience with a dentist when I was seven. And I thought, there's no way that kids should have to go through what I went through. I mean, I was sworn at. I'd never heard those words before, let alone be directed at me. So I pursued that desire. I mean, I didn't waver from it through my sophomore year at Ohio State. And then on March the 28th, 1965, God broadsided me with this question. Will you serve me full time? Lord, do they have dental missionaries? <laughs> I had done music for revivals. I was the worship leader where I was attending church. Or do you want me to be a song evangelist? Will you serve me full time? And I went through a whole litany of possibilities and all he ever came back with is, will you serve me full time? Finally, I said yes. So Pam and I packed up our stuff and headed for Olivet. And I graduated there and 1967, that's a long time ago. You know what he asked me to do as I was graduating? He said, Bob, will you go to uh, the, our central church in Flint, Michigan and be the pastor of the youth and children? Now, they were running around 400. There were 50-plus kids from 4 to 12, 50-plus teens, and I, that's more than I had in my church when I was growing up. One of the things that, you know, 50 kids between 4 and 12 in the same room in pews with just Pam and me. Then in 1970, he asked me if I would move to Meadville and pastor there, Meadville, Pennsylvania. 
And here's some exciting things about that church. The pastor who had been pastor was retiring and he was going to stay there. Blair Ward was an ordained elder. He had been a district superintendent and a college president, and he attended there. Two young men had been called into ministry. They were there. A pastor who was in between churches in the C3U, he was there. And I'd only preached about four times. Yes, Lord. Sure. Then 1974, God asked me to go pastor the Butler, no, the, the Beaver Falls Church. And it had been in decline for over six years. I would have to be bivocational. And Aaron and Mark, our two boys, were still in diapers. I went because God said so. Then in 82, he asked me to pastor the Butler Church of the Nazarene. The pastor who had led them in the building that they now worship in had a massive heart attack on the job and died. The next two pastors left on morals issues. And he wanted me to go there. I wasn't in line saying, let me go. <laughs> but 25 years later, I retired. Why would I share all that? Because those were mountainous challenges for which I was not equipped. And I needed a fresh anointing an infilling of the Holy Spirit to say, I can do that then with your help. With your help. But it was more than just the, uh, the deciding to say yes. It was filled with challenges. I had to have a funeral for a seven-year-old boy who didn't see a car coming when he walked across the road to get the mail. Moved to Meadville, wasn't there a month, but when a 16-year-old boy was with his dad at the racetrack, a lug nut came loose through the fence, hit him in the temple, and he dropped. What do you say? What do you do? You turn to the Holy Spirit and you ask for help. And he always, always has come through. I don't know what you're feeling today about this challenge that Pastor Paul has given to us in the All In and Immerse series. 
but I'm overwhelmed. It's more we can do, folks. Did you hear me? But let's see if we can put it in perspective a little bit. We read in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, and Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, and I remember one of the profs at Olivet says, whenever you read the scriptures and you come to the word therefore, you stop. And you ask, what is it there for? And it's there to have you go back and look at just what was declared and what was presented. And based on that information, therefore, this. Because of this, therefore, this. So because all authority had been given to Jesus, he said, now you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you teach them to obey all the things that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, 120 people were given that challenge. We got more than that. But you see, the challenge that has been given to us is simply an extension of the challenge that Jesus gave to those disciples, but it's custom fit for us. Go into, go into Marysville and Union County and make disciples. That's what we're being asked to do. That's what's facing us, how we going to meet that challenge? What, what can we do so that that becomes a reality? Well, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus gives the solution, the provision, to see what Jesus asked them to do and see it happen. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's the solution for any challenge in the kingdom. Be endued with the power, be clothed with the power, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's how it's going to happen. Because we're willing to allow the Holy Spirit to fill our lives and with his power, it will happen. If we go down to Acts chapter 2, we find the account of their being baptized with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And that's when their hearts were purified from the very nature of sin with which all of us were born, but which will keep us from seeing the kingdom of God come. So he made provision for the nature of sin to be removed from our hearts, that resistance to doing his will. And it says then that there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind, that there were 
flames of fire that stood over the heads of all who were there, the, the cleansing fire of the Holy Spirit, and that they were all filled with the Spirit, and as a result of being filled with the Spirit, his power came on them so that they could speak the languages of the thousands of people that had gathered from all over the Roman Empire and had come to Pentecost. See, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit's power comes. Things like that. Now, I don't know, I don't know that I'm going to ever speak French or German or Russian, but there are, there are languages that, that we have here. You say, well, we all speak English. No, I mean... There are, there are the frame of references that have a specific language. Dave, do, do, do carpenters have a specific language? Do they use words that I wouldn't use? Yes, yeah. And if I'm going to speak to someone who's in a profession that's totally different than the language that I normally, normally use, the Holy Spirit can help me communicate with them. You see what I'm saying? That's speaking a different language. It's speaking, it's being a trade language or it's who knows what their language reference is, but we're going to have to learn how to speak it. We're going to have to be able to speak to them where they are. I don't know how to do that. He does. When we receive the Holy Spirit's power, we'll be able to communicate with people that we otherwise wouldn't be able to. That's why it's so important. Do you know what happened when uh, those 120 were speaking the languages of the people? 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. Is it because of the 120? No. They were but the channels through which the Holy Spirit's power flowed. Are we going to see 120 brought into the kingdom in the next three years? Only if he's in control. Only if he gives us the words only if he gives us the boldness, and he will, because he's in it. This is God's will. <laughs> Between Pentecost and the incident, remember when Peter and John were going to the temple to pray and they met the lame man, and he was begging for alms, and Peter says, look at me. I don't have any money, but what I have I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he did. Say, Pastor, you think that can happen today if that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do and he can do it through me or you if we'll let him? But between the time of Pentecost when they were, and then when Peter and John were in the temple, some 2,000 more were saved. Whoa. Peter and John were 
arrested and put in jail overnight, and then when they were scolded the next day, they were forbidden to speak in the name of Jesus, and then they were released. And after they went back to join with the others who had gathered, they prayed, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit again, and began, it says, to speak the word of God boldly. You know what the next description of what was happening in the kingdom was then? They were adding to the church daily. Daily, people were being saved. When the Holy Spirit fills us, miracles can happen. So, at Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, verse 8, this is when Peter and John were talking to the religious leaders of the day who were forbidding them to speak in the name of Jesus. It says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he went on and declared what happened and what they were going to do in the name of Jesus. (laughs) and then they went to the group, shared with them, and they prayed, and they were filled again. Now, this is what is difficult for me in my mind. Wow. I mean, can you imagine being there at Pentecost and experiencing what they experienced? Being filled with the Spirit speaking in languages that they didn't know, seeing thousands of people come to know Jesus as their own Savior. And in just days, praying to be filled again. Whoa. When was the last time you were filled with the Spirit? You say, well, I was when I was sanctified. Yeah, they had been too, but just days later, they needed to be filled again. You see what I'm saying? It's not a once-for-all experience. That's why Paul tells us that we need to be filled and keep on being filled. It's not a a one-time-you-get-all-you-need-for-the-rest-of-your-life. Sometimes, and it's because of of the wording it's, it's easy for us to have the concept that being filled with the Spirit is like pouring something into a container, and, and we're the container, and he pours his Spirit into us until we're filled up, and then, and then we use him somehow, or we, you know, he drains out. I, you know, what, what happens to him? Well, you see, it's not, a good, it's not a good understanding what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It it actually means to be living under his control, living in his power, and to be acting differently than we do otherwise. Last week, Josh shared with us about the adventures of Philip. My, what... What, how great that was to be reminded of all those things that God did through Philip. 
You know what it said about Philip when he was one of the seven that was chosen to oversee the distribution of the food? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was living under the power of the Holy Spirit. How could he go and have a revival in Samaria because he was filled with the Holy Spirit? How could he leave that and go, go talk to somebody he didn't even know who it was going to be because he was filled with the Holy Spirit? He was living under the control of the Holy Spirit. How could he finish talking with the Ethiopian eunuch and disappear? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, his power is greater than anything we can comprehend if we'll just let him. But we're afraid. What will people think? What will people say? And we'll never see 120 if that's our attitude. Go like this. This is shaking your head. No, this is nodding. This is shaking your head. Think. So, the secret to seeing the kingdom of God advance is to live a life being filled with the Holy Spirit, living under his control. Not just once, not just when we're sanctified holy, but repeatedly living under the influence and power of the Holy Spirit so that things that otherwise would never happen will happen. And so that's the whole idea behind the title of the message, A Fresh Infilling. And that's not a new concept. That's a concept that that we sang about when I was a kid. Send a new touch of fire on our souls, Lord. Send it now. Yeah. Lord, as of old at Pentecost, we did your power receive. Lord, send the fire just now. Yeah. (laughs) Remember the commercial where somebody asked, Would you like another nut butter, peanut butter sandwich cookie? And then somebody responds, how can I have another nut butter, peanut butter sandwich cookie if I haven't had one yet? Do you know what nut butter, peanut butter sandwich cookies are? Can you say it? Hmm? Another nut butter, peanut butter sandwich cookie. Yeah, that's a good try. You know how long I had to practice? (laughs) It doesn't take a Philadelphia lawyer to understand that you can't receive a new infilling if you haven't had the first one yet. You see what I'm saying? The first filling of the Holy Spirit comes when Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit in fire like he did at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit can only fill those hearts and 
and baptize him with his presence and purify the carnal nature with which all of us were born, that nature of sin that refuses to submit to the will of the Father. He can only come to those who have been born again. We receive the Holy Spirit when we're born again, but there's a difference between receiving him and his having us. His being in control. So being filled for the first time requires our hearts having been purified like at Pentecost. Before we can receive the Holy Spirit, we need to have our sins forgiven. We need to become children of the king. We need to become part of the kingdom of God. We need to become a child of God. And to be forgiven and saved from the penalty of death. And you realize that any sin committed carries with it the death, pen- the death penalty. I mean, we, we live in such a Calvinistic, dominated religious culture that says we have to sin in word, thought, and deed every day, which is, really, I can't see how they get that out of Scripture, but that's a message for another day. Sin separates, and it carries with it the death penalty. And we need to confess not only that we have sinned, but that we deserve the death penalty. You see, that's why when a lot of times people ask me, how are you today? And I'll say, better than I deserve. I said that to somebody this week. Don't even know who the guy was. He says, says, what do you mean? I says, well, I know what I deserve. I, I deserve to be in hell right now. That's what I will always deserve. You know that? But because of the mercy and grace of the Father, that's not where I am. So I'm living a whole lot better than I deserve. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Don't ever ask him for what you deserve. (laughs) To be filled again, we have to be filled first. And to be filled first, we have to be born again. So let me put it in, in the progression that it happens, that God is so wonderfully put together so that we can live with him eternally. We've all sinned, all condemned to eternal separation from the Father. But he wants us to be with him for eternity so much that he was willing to send Jesus to die our death. He who knew no sin had no reason to die, took on all of my sins, all of your sins, all the sins of the whole world. How did God do that? I don't know. I just know that he did. Hallelujah. He paid the penalty, and I agree with God that he paid the penalty that I deserve. 
that separated me. And if I'll believe in him, God can forgive, he can pardon, and he can reconcile us to him. And that's eternal life. Living in fellowship with the Father is what eternal life is. What does sin do? Sin separates. Sin ends the fellowship. You say, yes, but I still talk to God and I still pray, and so did Adam and Eve. God still loves us. We, we sing the, the beautiful truth that nothing can separate us from the love of God. I'm so glad that's true. But that doesn't mean we can't be separated. Are you listening? Is it sinking in? Sin's serious business, folks. Scripture says, he who sins is of the devil. Can't belong to God, the devil at the same time. So we need to know that our sins are forgiven, that there is nothing between us and God, because if there's anything between us, that sin, Isaiah says, it separates us. But he's made way for the sin of the past to be forgiven so that we can be reconciled and live eternal life. Then we need to maintain that relationship and we maintain it by obedience. You see, disobedience is sin. Obedience is living in fellowship with the Father. To live the life of obedience, God made possible the cleansing of our hearts from the nature of sin. And that's what happens when we're baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's why the fire was there to represent the purifying effect of the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the nature of sin, the resistance to doing God's will has been remo removed, we can live in fellowship. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship. What happens if I don't walk in the light? Don't have fellowship. If we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. What happens if I'm not walking in the light? The blood stops cleansing. So, with the nature of sin removed, resistance to doing the will of God has been removed. The power of the Holy Spirit can fill us. He can bring us under his control, and he can empower us to do the work of the kingdom. And he wants to fill us again and again and again as the challenges of doing the work of the kingdom come, he will empower us to meet and be victorious in the challenges that are before us. How many of us want to see more than 120 come in the next three years? Yeah, yeah. He can do it, but only if we're filled again and again and again as the challenges come. As he says, I want you to go speak to that one over there. Uh, he's not giving us the spirit of fear, but of power. 
And that power comes when we allow him to have control and fill us. Bring us under his influence. Oh, I'm going to anyway. Agnes and Ralph were out driving. Pretty soon the red lights came on behind. Well, I guess they're blue. They were red back then. <laughs> the police pulled him over and came up to the window and he said, uh, did you know why I stopped? And he says, no, no, why? He says, because you were going 50 mile an hour in a 35 mile an hour speed zone. I, it, it, was, it changed to 35? I didn't know that. And then he says, now, Ralph, I told you three blocks back, the speed limit's changed. Agnes, shut up. <laughs> he says, may I see your registration? Handed in the registration. Oh, your registration's expired. Well, I didn't know that. Oh, yes, you did. I told you so three months ago. Agnes, shut up. Let me see your driver's license. Handed him the driver's license. Well, this is expired too. I didn't know that. Now, Ralph, I told you yesterday you needed to get... Agnes, shut up. Police looked under the window, down the window and says, does he always talk to you like that? It's only when he's been drinking. You see, when we're under the influence, we'll do things that we don't do otherwise. Now, that's negative. I'm so glad that when we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that it's powerful things to do in the kingdom. And you know what I found? It's addictive. When you've lived under the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't want to live any other way. And so you just keep being filled. You keep drinking, if you would. So he wants to fill us. It's not that we have to beg. You know how long it took them to pray the prayer the second time? A minute and a half to read that paragraph. I mean, we don't have to beg God, please fill me again. We have to let him. We have to ask and believe. It was interesting as I was going through that prayer, they were recounting all the great things God had done. And it wasn't so much that God needed to be reminded of what he did. They did. They needed to be reminded of what can happen when his power fills us and the kingdom can be advanced so everybody here this morning the father wants us to do something right now if you need to be forgiven come confess believe receive that's 
the easy part. If you need your heart to be purified from the nature of sin, if you need to receive that initial infilling of the Holy Spirit, then come and offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Present an unconditional surrender of your will to his will so that he can use you as he wants to because that can't happen as long as the nature of sin is part of, of our lives because it will always be saying, no, I want to do it my way. I think my way is better. And if you haven't had a fresh infilling recently, come and begin a life of regularly asking for his power to make you what he wants you to be. To empower you to do his work, to do the work of the kingdom. Because that's what we're being challenged to do in the All In and the Immerse series that we've completed. Doing whatever he asks. And when, it go, when you go, oh, I can't do that. Oh, Holy Spirit, fill me. You see? You don't have to come to the altar of prayer, although that's always a good thing to do. But I need your power now. We're going to realize that vision that God has given to us through Pastor Paul. We're going to need to be forgiven and reconciled. We need to have our hearts purified. We need to be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit and then live the life of being filled again and again. I don't know. I, I, I think I can speak for you. But I don't want to be like those people that Paul described living in the last days, having an appearance of godliness, but denying or refusing its power. That's the Holy Spirit. Refusing to have the power of the Holy Spirit enable us to do the work of the kingdom is what produced the Laodicean church. It wasn't hot, it wasn't cold. It was just. So we all need to pray one of those issues to come into fellowship with the Father, to have our hearts purified or to be filled again. And so they're going to start playing music back there. And I just want you to pray. Whatever prayer it is that you need to pray, to be forgiven, to be sanctified holy, to be filled afresh. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for the provision of your Holy Spirit to make it happen. Forgive, cleanse, and fill us, we pray. the people said amen. Amen. Go live in the power of the Spirit. You're dismissed.